right. All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Definitely not in the studio time. When this records, Grant might not even be in Knoxville time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Grant Ramey coming to you from Thompson Bowling Arena, where we are, full disclosure, we are recording this very, very late in the evening on Wednesday night. Uh, dare I say, past Grant Ramey's uh, bedtime uh, on, on the average Wednesday night. But here we are. Tennessee has just defeated Florida A&M in a game that uh, Grant was was not the most beautiful game of basketball we've ever seen. Tennessee 72, Florida A&M 43. This is a Florida A&M team that I believe was ranked, uh, where was it, Three, four, 340 out of 351 teams there on, on Ken Palm. Ken Palm's rankings, and if I, I'm a believer in the church of Ken Palm, I'm a, I'm a big believer in his stats. I think that guy does basketball stat crunching as well as anyone. Uh, so that lets you know that right off the bat, this Florida A&M team is not a great team. This is a team that is playing, uh, unfortunately, 13 of its its first 13 games all away from home, playing just eight home games this entire season. Uh, played at Kansas State on Monday night, then had some travel difficulties heading from the Little Apple over here to the scruffy city of Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, and kind of got a got a whoop put on by Tennessee. This was supposed to be about a 30-point game, and that's what it was, despite Lamonte Turner and Jordan Bowden kind of not doing too much and really not playing the, the second half of the second half. So, uh, Grant, is this about what you expected, or, or more or less? Yeah, definitely. I mean, building what was a 10-11 point lead in the first three, four minutes, uh, expanding it to 20-something, 21 in the first half, I think, at halftime. Uh, I think they held Florida A&M without a field goal for almost 10 minutes. There was a Eight-minute stretch, seven minutes, 59 seconds, where Florida A&M was scoreless. Uh, and I think the most important thing in the second half, they put four freshmen on the floor, Josiah Jordan, James, Drew Pember, uh, Devontae Gaines, and Olivier Camois, and basically said figure it out. I mean, they had about 17 minutes, it seemed like, where uh, those guys were on the floor. And he pulled guards early, Rick Barnes did, in the second half if, if they were making mistakes. But... Towards the end of the half, it was it was the freshmen, and it was it was their job to figure it out and get some extended run. And I don't think they've had that opportunity uh, in a long time. So for them to get that, maybe they they learned something from that and, and can t- make some strides uh, forward heading into a, a nine day break before before Memphis comes to town. Yeah, I do want to mention those freshmen, and I want to get to that in just a second because I think that was a really neat thing to see. You know, we're, we're not going to get to see a lot of games this season where those four freshmen get to play together. Uh, now it would have been maybe even neater if, if uh, Roche Placid had been able to play and you could have had all five of them out there together, but probably not going to happen. So with what they have available right now, uh, we're still not going to see those four guys play together that often, but we got to see it a lot tonight, and I want to mention that. But first, I do want to mention the guy who was not only the leading point scorer in this in this game. Also, the the leader in shots attempted in this game was none other than John Fulkerson. I believe that's the first time in his Tennessee career that he has led the team in shots attempted from the field. Uh, you saw after that first game down there at the Emerald Coast Classic, Grant, you were down there where Fulkerson kind of drifted out of the game a little bit, uh, played hard, but kind of didn't do much offensively at all. And, and Rick Barnes kind of got upset with him again and said, listen, you, you need to you need to put up shots, son. You, you need to put the ball up. You know, you're six foot you know, eight or whatever you are, six foot nine, you're talented, you can, you, you're left-handed, you give people some problems, you got to put the ball in the bucket some. And, and we've seen Eve Pons also do that a little bit where he's kind of drifted out of games. He's been really strong for most of this season, uh, but he's also kind of had a couple games where he's kind of gone back to the background. 
those guys in this game uh, were Tennessee's two leading shot takers, I do believe. We're right there close to it. Uh, Fulkerson, 7 of 12 from the floor, scores a game-high 15 points. Pons adds 14 points on 4 of 7 shooting from the floor. Those guys, we've all said it all year long, Grant, that, that this team is going to go as far as Lamonte Turner and Jordan Bowden take it. And I think that's only half the story because that that is true. But I also think this team is only going to go as far as John Fulkerson, Eve Pons, and Olivier Kumwa take it in kind of a, a secondary role. How far can they lift this team as support players? Because you can't just have those two Batman at the top of the, of the lineup and not knowing what you're going to get from anybody else. I, I've seen lots of college basketball over the years. I love college basketball, always have. And you've got years, decades worth of, of experience or decades worth of, of evidence that shows you you can be just okay in the front court and great in the back court, and you can play deep into March. We've seen this time and time again. College basketball is dominated; it is a guard-dominated sport more often than not. But you have to be serviceable in the front court. And I think what we've seen now, this is at least 20 shots attempted uh, the past two games combined now from Fulkerson and Pons, and I think that's something that, you know, they're never going to be just huge volume shooter guys on a nightly basis, especially not Fulkerson, but they have to do it, and I think it's important to see them do that. Yeah, and it, I mean, it goes back to that post-game exchange Fulke and, and Barnes had uh, in Destin after the VCU game, and, and Fulke said, I'm never going to be the guy that looks for my shot first, and Barnes kind of quipped back that that's, you, if you're not doing that, you don't understand your role. And, and I mean, it was a kind of a, a playful exchange, but it's, it's, it's driving home a serious point. You can't have a game where he goes one for two or over two from the field, whatever he was against Florida State in like 19, 20 minutes. I can't remember the, the time. It might have been like 29 minutes. I mean, that's a guy that's got to score for you down low. And Eve Pond's right. Uh, you're right there with the way he's shown he can score. He can stretch out and, and shoot it from three as well as anybody on this team, the way he can uh, back somebody down and score in the post. Uh, I think Fulke's, he's kind of impressed me when he's spinning on the block and, and getting back to some of the stuff he used to do before that injury uh, years ago. But, I mean, those are guys that, you're right, Lamonte and, and Bowden are going to carry this team uh, as far as they can carry it, but there's going to be nights where Jordan Bowden goes one for seven from the field like he did tonight, uh, even though Tennessee didn't need a ton for him uh, from him. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to have to be more than just 35 minutes from both of those guys and a ton of points and a ton of production. Uh, and it could go farther to Josiah Jordan-James. I mean, he can do stuff down low as well. And uh, Olivier Camel is, is, you know, Rick Barnes praises him like – a uh, few other players he's ever praised. I mean, he is, he is, he speaks very highly of him and says it's almost like a, uh, a ceiling that he doesn't even see, a potential he doesn't even see. The player doesn't, in terms of what he can do. And uh, if if you're getting that kind of compliment from a coach that's usually as critical as Rick is, uh, that that speaks highly of of his potential. Yeah, and and I think that when you look at, you know, it's funny you mentioned this because I was talking about this earlier with someone that Jordan Bowden shot just one of seven from the floor in this game, but there he was. Uh, he was one point away from being Tennessee's plus-minus leader in this game because he affects games in so many other ways. And that's also been what Fulkerson does. I think we all laugh. I know the two of us do, and I think lots of other people do too, that Fulkerson, John Fulkerson, he, he is a spaz. And I don't mean that in any kind of a rude way. I just mean that he plays the game kind of like a chicken with its head cut off he's just he's all arms and legs and now the hair too just going all over the place you know he, he affects people defensively he affects people offensively just because the way he plays how hard he plays the game and, and he kind of looks goofy while he's doing it and you know but you watch what he does 
defensively and the way that he kind of hedges those screens and the way that he he makes it uncomfortable for teams playing against him because of the way he plays. And that's all well and good. He loves that. That's a, probably his favorite thing to do is kind of affect the game that way. But he's also got to score. If you can go as a true freshman into the Dean Dome and you can play the way he played that game, you can score the ball. You can score the ball. And I think it's important for him to show that he can do that. And with Pons Grant, I think it's also good to see that this is a guy who still – does have some confidence because he did draw five fouls in this game. So he was, it's not just the seven attempts. He also was taking the ball to the rack and, and got a lot of other attempts that maybe didn't count as attempts. So I think that's important to see. Yeah, and, and for Eve, he's not just a guy that's camping out at the three-point line. He's a guy that's uh, going to drive baseline and, and go up for a big dunk like he did against Florida State uh, in Destin. He's a guy that can hit that trailer, trailing three. Uh, from the top of the key, like he's shown. I mean, he's one of the best three-pointers on the shooter, shooters on this team, uh, according to Rick Barnes, going all the way back to, to the offseason and, and the preseason. Uh, and he's a guy that, I mean, look at that first play against Florida A&M. They dump it down low to him, and he kind of backs somebody down and spins and, and scores in the paint. So uh, if he's going to try to score at all three levels like that, that, that obviously speaks well. Uh, and, yeah, Fulke, you know, everybody saw what Fulke kind of his potential was a long time ago when he was a freshman. I mean, uh, go back to the Fulke game in Maui when he had, I can't remember what it was, 12-10-5 against Oregon in overtime. Some some crazy stat line that years later uh, people still look at and wonder what really happened there. But uh, if they can get anything from those two guys, if they get it consistently, uh, obviously this is a much different team. And, and Olivier is the same thing. I mean, Rick Barnes says he's the one guy that can change this team. That's a, that's a, that's a big, big thing for Rick Barnes to say about you. So they get something out of those three consistently. Uh, they're a much, much better basketball team. And Fulkerson is a guy that, before we move on from this topic, I do want to mention again that this is a guy who signed in the same class as Grant Williams and Jordan Bone and Jordan Bowden and Jalen Johnson. And Rick Barnes swore to anyone who would listen that he thought Fulkerson was the best player in that class when they signed him. Now, obviously, that he's also spoken very highly of Grant Williams from the beginning and what kind of player he could be. But I think that's not to say that he was wrong about Grant Williams. That's to say that that's how, that's how much he believes in John Fulkerson. And, and Fulkerson's been a guy who, especially after those two injuries, you know, back-to-back, spending basically a full year away from the game, you lose confidence. You, you watch as guys like Grant Williams and Schofield and Bone just kind of take their game to the next level, and you're having to sit there watching them. You know, you don't travel for road games. Uh, you're just kind of waiting until Grant Williams gets home, your roommate, and so you can talk to him about things. You're sitting there watching at practice or you're at the training table off the floor. You just kind of feel detached a little bit. And it can take a while, especially when it's a full year, basically, like it was with him, where we're not talking like a you miss a year, but you're really out like five, six months. This was like basically a calendar year where he was not able to do much, if anything, on the basketball floor. And that can really affect you. And I think you saw that it, it's taken him some time to get back to that. And when he came back, he kind of just wanted to play his role. He wanted to be an energy guy off the bench. But that, that, that's not what he is for this team. He is the starting big man. He is the starting center on this team uh, until proven otherwise. He's not much of a center. He's more of a power forward. But he's the starting five on this team. And, and that, that, that's what he has to be. That's important. Before we move on to the next segment, Grant, I do, though, want to mention what you talked about earlier with those freshmen. We saw all four of them play together there in the second half. That was kind of neat to see. Uh, and, and really, I think until basically the final two or three minutes of that game, you saw a couple walk-ons come in. At that point, you saw Florida A&M start to kind of whittle the lead a little bit. Um, but when those guys were on the floor, the largest lead Tennessee had in this game was 34 points with 526 left. And that's 
after those kids had been out there for several minutes together. So they were, again, this is not a good team they were playing, but they stretched the lead out and they did some good things. And I think that, you know, you saw those three consecutive possessions with a turnover where Rick Barnes went in order from those three turnovers. He went mad, redneck mad, and then despondent. Uh, after the third turnover, he was like, he just kind of looked at Kim English and Michael Schwartz and, and Des Auburn, those guys, and was like, you talk to him. I'm not talking to him right now. He was like, I, I can't even, I can't deal with this right now. Uh, that's how angry he was, and then he went over and gave Lamonte the business just just for fun, I think. Um, but, but you know, you saw some of those moments with this team, uh, with that group out there. But you also saw some guys who kind of are playing well together. You know, I think James could have had a couple more assists as some teammates had been ready for the ball when he passed it to him. Uh, he showed one. Uh, one of his worst passes of the night was one that I'm not sure even most players would see and uh, how he was able to see ticket gains in the corner uh, and make that pass that he made in that tight of a window was amazing. Uh, of course, it was a bad pass that bounced three times, uh, and then Gaines had to force the shot, but he still saw that, and you saw that, that there are times where, you know, Comas supposed to peel off of a screen and go toward the baseline, but he peels off of a screen kind of and goes toward the bucket, and James throws the ball into section one one thirty. But you also saw a couple times where they did some good things together, and it's good for those guys to play together because, you know, listen, we all know that five-star gravy train comes in next season. But right now, this is Bowden and Turner's team. Um, but maybe one of those guys gets hurt. Maybe those guys have foul trouble sometimes. Regardless, they won't be here next season. So these kids, anytime they can get to play together, that's important. Yeah, and that, that was the biggest opportunity tonight was building that early lead and letting those guys in the second half just figure it out. Uh, Rick obviously is mad. You know he's going to lose his mind over turnovers and stuff. But keep him on the floor and let them figure it out themselves. I mean, there was one time where Josiah uh, goes under the bucket to inbound after Florida A and M scores, and there's nobody else on this side of the floor because Josiah was the one ha- that had been taking the inbounds, uh, and since he had to call a timeout, and, and that's a situation. Obviously, uh, it's almost laughable to think about, but you know, that's the stuff they have to run through. I mean, just. Just to be in that situation where you could get 10 straight minutes without getting pulled after every turnover, I mean, those, those are valuable, really valuable 10 minutes because this class is uh, this class is going to have to grow up in a hurry uh, once the SEC season gets here if this team wants to be somebody that, that can make some noise in March. And I, I think it's going to click eventually for Josiah Jordan-James. He still doesn't quite look sure of himself, but the good news is uh, he's your leading rebounder as a freshman. Uh, he's second in assists, and he's third in blocks. So he's a really good basketball player uh, at affecting the game, even when he's not scoring the basketball a ton or even looking for a shot uh, a ton. I think Olivier Camois, at, at some point it's just going to click for him, and I think everybody's going to kind of see what Rick Barnes has been talking about with this kid. Uh, I think Devontae Gaines has been really impressive just with how comfortable he looks. Uh, I mean, you can go back to UNC Asheville, first game of the season, or Murray State. Uh, those games he felt like he was really comfortable on the floor. Uh, he looked really comfortable uh, in Destin. He, he stepped in and took f- two free throws for Lamonte Turner late in the game, and Lamonte was cramping at a big moment. That was a, that was a big moment, uh, and he didn't really have any uh, – you know, he stepped up and hit them both like it was, like it was nothing, like he was in practice. And, and Drew Pimper, whatever minutes he can give them, uh, that's just a benefit because they need somebody like him, a body like him that they can throw in there, and maybe he can rebound, he can defend – uh, he can guard multiple positions, whatever he can give them. Uh, if they can figure that out, obviously this is a thin basketball team. Uh, they're going to need every body they can get for every minute they can get them. And I, I'm still big on Pembers kind of upside down the road. I think he's a guy who could develop into a pretty nice player. And with James, I think you're looking at a guy who 
I'm trying to describe because uh, I'm trying to say it in a way that that sounds like a compliment because it's meant to be a compliment even though it might not sound like that. I think he's kind of a glue guy on steroids is how I think of him basically because you know you think of glue guy as kind of a role player but but a glue guy can actually kind of be the fulcrum of a team and a guy who really makes the team go and I don't know if he's ever going to be a guy who consistently scores 15 plus points a game I just don't know that he wants to do that I know he can do that I just don't know if he wants to do that Um, but he is a guy who I think when you if he I think we can all see now he's probably going to be a multi-year player uh, at least a couple years and when those guards come in next season you have that kind of an elite talent group around you I think that might give him a chance to really shine because he can just kind of pull the strings. He can get guys where they need to be. He can get them the ball. And like I said, he had five turnovers tonight, and that looks like a bad number. But I can think of at least two that were definitely not his fault. So I think he's a guy who can do some things. We were actually having this conversation, and Destin, uh, I guess it was after the VCU game, if he's a four-year player, just imagine how annoying he's going to be for opponents. Uh, to to face him for four years and think, man, this kid's still here. He's been doing stuff since he was a freshman, uh, and yeah, he he's definitely a glue guy. Uh, and and the way he's out, I mean, he can add so much weight to his frame. I mean, he looks like Bambi almost sliding across the ice when he's out there because he is he's tall. He's got great length, but man, he's real thin. But he still he finds ways to be effective and help his team. Yeah, it's funny because you look at him and you, you think he's so built because he's so cut up. That's just because he doesn't have fat. You know, he's a kid who kind of glides at that size. Uh, and, and you kind of forget sometimes, wait, he's like 6'6". Six, six. He might be a little taller than 6'6", six, six because uh, in, in the way that he, he already rebounds at a, in an incredibly high level. And he's a guy who I think when there's enough around him, I think he's really going to take off and he's going to be something special. Here's what we're going to do, guys. We're going we're gonna to step away. We're going to pay some bills. Uh, we're going to listen to uh, some products and some services and some in-house ads and all those fun things. We're going to come back and we're going to listen to the full post-game press conference from Tennessee coach Rick Barnes, and then we'll come back with a final segment with us quickly wrapping up where Tennessee basketball is heading into what I'm pretty sure, Grant, is the longest break on the schedule now because Tennessee is going to not play a game for 10 days uh, with fall exams, final semester exams starting and everything, and then kind of getting geared back up and then getting ready for uh, a place where – if this right now, as quiet as it is in this arena, uh, it's going to be deafening uh, 10 days from the time that we're speaking right now when Memphis comes to town. So we're going to come back, we're going to hear from Rick Barnes, and then after that we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit more Vols basketball before we get out of here. Hashtag ad. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You know, I thought it was good that they really got some quality minutes that we haven't had a chance to really put them out there where they could play through fatigue and mistakes. Uh, we haven't been able to do that. We wanted to try to get the ball inside to Olivier and Folky and Eve a little bit more and see if they could do something with it. But the fact that we got the freshmen out there as much as we, we did, we needed to do that. And um, they'll learn some things from it. Still got to do a better job on offense, taking care of the ball and, and um, giving ourselves a chance to 
do some of the things that we practice. But uh, tonight, I think those guys had the freshman had like what 24 points, 20. What was it, Tom? 28 points, 23 rebounds. You know, so that's that's a good night for them. Well, again, where, where the frustration comes is uh, seven of those 15 came from the point guard position, and that means you're not getting your offense started. And that, so you, I don't care what else happens if you don't get it started, and, or you think you're going to make one action and score. It's not. It's not good. I mean, and. And that's that's a problem, again, where you don't get a chance to get into your offense. And like I said, seven of those 15 turnovers came from five from uh, Josiah and two. But, but Lamonte turned it over more than he has in the past. And those guys, they have to get us going in the offense, what we need to do. I know it was one game, It's a good sign. Again, I've told our guys, those guys deserve a chance to miss some shots too, but they they got to get it more. You know, you can't expect them to score every time they get it, but they've, they've got to have the ball more. And, uh, and we've worked on it the last couple of days, just saying we're going to put it in there and let them get, get more of a feel for not going to have a lot of room to score there at times. But, uh, yeah, the fact that he, he did, it might be the only time all year I think we're a post guy let us in shots attempted. Steve, that around. You know, we, our game plan was really try to, you know, they're they're a team that they like to drive the ball, and I, I do think, you know, Robert does a really good job. I think they, it's a, their, their schedule is brutal. What they do is brutal, and and uh, have to play at K State and fly here, and you know they had a problem with their flight and have to play, and uh, but I respect the things that they were trying to do out there, and we knew that we had. To, Really try to close down the lane, and we defensively, you know, we, we can get better. But I do think this: if our offense gets better, our defense will get better because I think we put so much pressure on our defense at times because of our silly turnovers and just trying to make great passes as opposed to just playing good basketball. Coach, thinking with the defense, are you surprised you guys have been necessarily on the court with so many new faces? You know, they think they're 36 percent. You know, Rob, we work a lot on it, you know, and, you know, we, we think that we've got some guys that can really guard. I mean, you know, uh, we think when you when you really think about it, Lamonte, when he's really locked in, I, th I think defensively on the ball, he, he's as good as anybody in the country. Uh, he can guard very few guys can do what he can do. He can guard one through five. He, he can guard anybody and, and balance sound. It could, he could be better. You know, he could be more active in the gaps and things like that. Uh, but then uh, you, you throw in tickets length, and and the, and the younger guys are still learning, sort of how hard you got to play, and how. But, but we we do a lot with our defense. We we can switch one through five, one through four. You know, we we do different things, and that's where we want these guys to pick up those type situations. Because right, uh, you know, possession possession, we might be switching defenses and. Uh, and it's based on personnel. It's based on what we find out through scouting. But uh, again, I think that you got to give our coaches a great deal of credit for that because they—that's they, the side of the ball they really emphasize every day, and and they that they do a good job of it during practice. Gene and Mike, Rick, as far as uh, you know, Devontae is concerned, I saw a couple times he was kind of initiating the offense. Is that something? Is that something else that he can bring to the table? 
he can. You know, when through, throughout high school and his AAU season, he played the points. You know, he's got good he's got good ball skills and he uh, it's all new. You know, so, but he but he's a guy that we're confident in the fact that he's going to work hard at trying to do the right thing. He's going to err on trying to do the right thing. He's not going to be perfect, but he's going to. He's going to, again, try to do the right thing, but uh, he's not afraid to bring the ball down the floor. He's not afraid to handle the basketball. Is that the Olivia you can kind of ask him to see, especially with rebounding the ball the way he did tonight? Do who? Olivia? Yeah, he, he can do that again, but I'm, 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 I still tell you guys, you haven't seen yet what we know he can do. I don't think he knows what he can do yet. And I keep saying that to him. I said, you don't, you don't, have, an, you don't have a clue yet, the ability that you have and how you don't use it. And it goes back. He doesn't get himself ready. He doesn't know where he wants. He doesn't know where he is on the court at times. And um, if he will really learn the offense, where he doesn't have to think about where he's going, what he's doing, where that all becomes instinctive, he'll be a much better player with it. And he's also got to, when things he misses a shot, he beats himself up too much, as opposed to getting on to the next play. Those are the things that where he's got to. He's got to grow up quickly, to be quite frank. He's one because we need him, and he's a guy that he, he alone can change our team with the ability that he has if he will will buy into it. Have time for one more, Go ahead, Marshall. Marshall on the back there. We're kind of going off of, of that the physicality side that Olivier has. Maybe John as well tonight. Maybe was sure. Looking for a and guy down low, pretty bulky dude. Did you like the way that they're physical against him? Yeah, you know what, I, I do. I mean, Folky's a guy that I mean, defensively, many times, especially when teams are heavy on ball screens, he, he really affects teams' offense because he he's active. And when he gets himself in trouble, is when he gets tired and he starts reaching. But when he's active and moving his feet, you know, he's going to battle, he's going to compete. And he is giving away weight most nights, but he can do it with his with his quickness and those type things. But we think that he can score on people. We do. I, I, again, I'd go back to him if he's he's got to learn to do his work early, get his feet set, and uh, get his feet under more because he he can play above the rim, and he's got to do that more. All his little layups he misses. All he's always trying to shoot them underhanded as opposed to trying to get up over top of people. But. Uh, Again, he's in a different role that we talked about after the last game. He's got to accept the fact that we need him to score these points. And how many rebounds does he have tonight? Uh, he needs a few more rebounds than that. But, you know, seven you know, baskets on 12 attempts is, is a pretty good night for him. And, but we need him. We do in a lot of different ways. Thank you, Coach. All right. Thank you, guys. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you may or may not have just heard. As always, you're not uh, contractually, morally, ethically, spiritually obligated in, in any way to listen to those commercials. 
But for those of you who don't hit the fast forward button and just kind of go on and listen to them, we certainly appreciate that. That helps us at Go Vols 24-7. That helps us at 24-7 Sports. That helps us at CBS Sports. And, and I got to tell you, we try to help you. So when you try to help us back, we appreciate that. Wes Rucker and Grant Ramey coming to you from the floor, court side here. Uh, I guess this would be the equivalent of about the 40-yard line if this were a football field at Thompson Bowling Arena, where Tennessee, as we're speaking to you, has just defeated Florida A&M 72-43. to uh, We talked a little bit about that, that Florida A&M game in the first segment. Um, that game kind of went exactly, for the most part, the way we thought it would go. We just listened to Rick Barnes talk about that game and some other things going into it. Now we're going to look forward a little bit. Uh, Grant, you know, you, you have been around this team as much as anybody really ha- has been the past two years. I think, you know, maybe you, me, Mike Wilson, um, Rob Lewis, there's only a few of us who have really kind of been around the team consistently for two years now all the time uh, and longer than that in some cases. So the bottom line is if anybody should know what's going on with this team, we should be able to know some things about this team, and I think we do. What have we learned about this team so far through, what is it, eight games now uh, going into this 10-day break before Memphis comes to town? I think a lot was learned in Destin uh, playing. It was a tiny gym, but it was it was a it was a crowded gym, uh, and and fans from all four teams were there. It was it, it did feel kind of like an NCAA tournament kind of atmosphere with the noise level. And I don't think they had played a one possession game to that point. I think they had uh, started the first six five six games with an average margin of victory of something like eighteen points. Uh, so for them to go down there uh, and turn the ball over as much as they did against Florida State. Uh, and still kind of settle in defensively and really uh, get back in that game and, and take it down to the wire, a game where they really just played poorly on the offensive end and turned the ball over a ton, I think 21 times, uh, to maybe five or six assists, some crazy number like that. Uh, to make that a one-possession game and Lamonte Turner cramping down the stretch and, and this team as thin as it is, uh, that was impressive. I think that was one of the biggest things we've learned about this team in the first month of the season. And then to turn around – uh, and to play VCU, a good VCU team, uh, as well as they did uh, a VCU team that beat LSU at home and, and was ranked at the time to build a 13-point lead in the second half, then give it away, uh, and then trail a little bit late down the stretch and have to find answers. Uh, and ho-hum, Lamonte Turner does what he does and hits a huge shot. Uh, and just finding a way to win that game. I mean, going down there and playing two t- uh, two one-possession games in a really nice environment, uh, I think that, that was the biggest kind of lessons that this team has shown that they can come back from something uh, and, and kind of fight back and find a way to, to cling to a game and, and get it down to the late and, uh, you know, the final minute and, and figure out a way to do it. Obviously, we learned a lot of, uh, in Toronto against Washington, the, the way they executed kind of from start to finish in that game. Uh, and they, they got down in a, a pretty deep hole against Murray State about a month ago and, and found a way to come back and win it. So uh, they've passed some tests, and, and they're starting to show some progression a little bit, what they can be. They're a good defensive team. Uh, and they're a team that's going to struggle on offensive uh, on the offensive end, but that defense will keep them uh, in games night in and night out. Yeah, I remember it was interesting that Emerald Coast because I, I I watched all of it, but I watched all of it from a screen and not in person, which is obviously a much different experience and one that I'm not used to with this team. Uh, but I stayed in Knoxville uh, to cover the Tennessee Vanderbilt uh, football game, which, as y'all know, Tennessee won 28-10, going bowling, all those good things. Uh, beat beat Vanderbilt, ended that streak. Good stuff there for the Vols. 
But I was watching that game in the Friday night game. I kind of had one eye on the TV and I had one eye on uh, something else that was going on because my brother was in town from Memphis for for Thanksgiving. And my brother is basically the young adult version of a puppy still basically at his age. And uh, then we actually have the, the actual puppy at the house. So I'm watching a puppy play with a puppy and trying to make sure neither one of them is biting the other one while I've got one eye on the game. And I think uh, you'd have to go back and look on your phone. I think I texted you during the game. Oh my God, Grant! Are they are they point shaving? Uh, because I was just joking, but they played about as badly as I could possibly imagine this team playing against Florida State. That's how bad it was. I mean, I, I obviously don't think this team is point shaving, but I made that point to say I don't think they could play any worse. And Lamonte Turner's cramping up; he's having a hard time. He just—I mean, I—I I was stunned. I know he's been a little loose with the ball this season, but his turnovers in that game were something that I just. I mean, that, that looked like Lamonte Turner, his redshirt freshman year. That was kind of sh- jarring to watch. Uh, and then he kind of gets sore down the stretch. He gets those cramps. Tennessee is doing everything it can do wrong in that game. And to somehow, I'm not talking about moral victories because I, I really don't believe in them, but the fact that Tennessee made that interesting was fascinating to me because I don't think this team can play worse. And Florida State, I believe, is the longest team in college basketball. Uh, They've got, I mean, they're like a team full of pterodactyls. I mean, they've got length all over the place, big, big, long guys. Uh, And for Tennessee to play that badly, shoot that badly, handle the ball that badly, pass it that badly, and to still have a chance in that game – shows you a little bit about at least the grit the team has, uh, and that that matters. And then just 24 hours later to, uh, to turn around and, and beat a pretty good VCU team, uh, a team that was ranked at the time, a team that I think can be ranked again by the end of the season, a team that's well-coached, a really good basketball program. That showed a lot to me because this team, you know, as soon as it did not get the news it wanted on Plasich, it would have been easy for this team to kind of be like, uh, you know, uh, where, where there's no quality real size on this team that's going to hurt the depth. You know, can these two guards do everything all year? There could have been some frustration setting in because I think there was frustration from the fan base because they, they see this big new seven foot one Serbian toy and they want to play with it. They want to see it out there on the court. Uh, and, and they know uh, from reports that, that I know I've had and that you've given from watching them play like, man, this guy would really, really help them. He's not just a big body. He's a good athlete. Uh, he can do some things. But this team just kind of finds a way. And I think to what, what this early season has showed me as much as anything, Grant, is, is culture a little bit. Because I think when you develop a really healthy culture like the one Tennessee basketball has now, that allows you to kind of pepper over cracks. And, and, and I'm not at all going to compare this program to a Duke or North Carolina. I'm not going to say that or Kansas. But what I will say is we've all seen years – where like the Dukes or Carolinas or Kansases, maybe they didn't get all the five stars they wanted. Maybe a guy gets hurt, you know, a couple guys just are kind of busts. They just have those years where you just they're just not as talented. They go from being a top five talent every year to like they're like a twenty five range talent team one year. But they kind of they play up there in the teens and they they scare some people and beat some people because of the culture, because of the way that those guys in that program have been taught to play the game, the way they believe in themselves, the way they believe in what they're going to do. And I'm not saying that Tennessee is overachieving because I I, I believe this team could be good. And I said anyone who wasn't ranking it going into the year was stupid. So I'm not going to sit here and say they're overachieving. But they're not playing as well as I thought they would play, and they're still sitting here at 7-1 and one with a couple of really, really quality wins on neutral floors and one really, really tough loss that was as bad as they could play and was still a good game against a good team 
on a neutral floor that happens to be right down the road from that team's campus. So I am actually starting to get maybe a little bit more bullish about this team. I don't don't get me wrong. I don't think this is a, a an SEC title contender really. I think it could be up there in the race, but I don't think it'll win that. I certainly don't think it's a Final Four type team or anything like that. But I think this team is kind of tough and fun to watch because they understand their roles a little bit. They understand what they need to do. And they're just finding a way to kind of grind out results. And, and to me, if you're not going to play your best, the least you can do is grind out a result. And these guys have showed that despite really not playing great basketball, other than maybe a few minutes here or there, you know, with, with Tur- Lamonte Turner, his shoulder killing him, even though he won't say that, you can tell that it's affecting him. You know, Jordan Bowden has had a couple of rough games. Josiah Jordan-James has, has not been the, you know, 15-point-per-game or whatever, like the big five-star bonus baby like you normally see. They didn't get Plavsic eligible, but they're just sitting there grinding away, and they're a pretty good basketball team. Yeah, they're. Uh, what What's funny is you're right about the culture. Uh, that that foundation is definitely there, and it just feels like they're learning on the fly. I mean, the funny thing about Florida State, the way that game played out, if you go back and listen to what Rick Barnes said the Wednesday before uh, leaving Knoxville, was. He, he basically described how the game was going to play out. They're going to try to pressure you as much as you can, as much as they can on the wing using all that length. They got a ton of depth. They, they run a ton of bodies out there. Uh, that matchup, I, I don't know if you can draw up a worse matchup for Tennessee because Florida State's going to run th- 12, 13 guys. Tennessee's going to run seven. Uh, Tennessee's going to live and die by their guard play. Florida State's going to live and die by pressuring your guards into playing poorly which obviously they did, and he said after that game that Lamonte Turner, when he feels that pressure, he almost takes it on himself personally to try to uh, win the game for his team or try to do so much for his team early on that you know he turns it over like, like he did, and it's, 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 it's 12-2 deficit before the first time out of the game, and you're, you spend the next 38 minutes trying to dig out of that hole. Uh, and for this team, the way they're, they're kind of learning as they go, it's really hard to do that. Uh, even though they did kind of fight and scrap uh, and mess around the way they did. I mean, the funny thing is Ken Palm has this team right now, I believe they're top 30 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. Uh, and if you subscribe to Ken Palm, you can go in and do uh, game by game, you know, percentage chance to win, predicted score. And, and Ken Palm has this team starting 18-1 and one and going on a 12-game win streak. The The one loss that they had predicted ahead of time was Florida State by three points which that's exactly the way it played out. They had them had Tennessee as a 30-point winner over, I believe it was a 30-point winner over Florida and m They won by 29. I mean, the, those stats tell a story, uh, and it's 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 one that has Tennessee going on a 12-game win streak to go 18-1 and not lose again until Kansas, which would be insane because that's the end of January, and, and you're talking about a, a really, really one of the longest win streaks in school history. Uh, not going to match, obviously, the one they set last year. But, I mean, just – kind of what the numbers say about this team and what they've shown. Uh, I think there's certainly a lot of promise, and I think it goes back to what you said. A ton of it is that culture uh, and relying on that foundation. I've also been really impressed with, and I know I just mentioned that against Florida State, Lamonte Turner played the worst I've seen him play since he was a freshman at the University of Tennessee. So uh, it's going to sound awkward to have these two things come in succession. But I've been really, really impressed with Turner in that 
I think he knows how much his shoulder is bothering him. I think he knows that he his shot's going to kind of come and go this season. It's not going to be as reliable and consistent as it's been. But we've learned a couple things. One, I don't care what his shooting percentage is. I don't care what – you could tear one of his arms off. You could tear one of those kids' arms off. And I, I would say, you know what, the game's on the line. Why don't you go take that three? Go up there 30 feet left-handed see what you got. And it might go in because that's just the kind of player that he is, and that's the kind of just crunch time killer, the assassin, you know, however you want, whatever cliche you want to use. That's what kind of player he is. But he's also changed his game in that without bone here, he has really, really adopted the mindset of an actual point guard. He's still going to take shots because there is no pure traditional point guard anymore that really doesn't exist. I know Josiah Jordan James wants to be one, but, you know, that whole kind of pass first all the time, that's not really how it goes anymore. If you're a point guard, you need to be a weapon scoring the ball. And, and But Turner has taken his assist numbers to an absolutely outstanding level. He's one of the best assist makers in, in college basketball now. And, and if his teammates would make a few more shots in there, heck, he could be averaging 10 a game right now. I mean, just the way that he is understanding the floor, the way that he's understanding the game, the way that he understands, you know what, I don't always have to take that shot if I'm not feeling great. I'm going to kick it off and someone else is going to take it. He and Bowden kind of always know where the other one's going to be, so that leads to good stuff offensively for those two in the two-man game. But He's kind of kept his temper in control. He and he talked about. He told me about that going into the season. He said, "I'm going to be a different guy. I'm going to be calm, for the most part. I'm going to be kind of an extension, you know, of the coaches out there. I'm going to be a guy who helps lift those freshmen up. I'm not just going to chew them out all the time. I'm not going to yell at them. He said, "I'm going to do that sometimes because that's just me. But I'm going to be kind of a calm guy out there, and I'm going to keep a level head." He hasn't been bickering with officials. He he hasn't been bickering with Barnes really on the sideline, which we've seen before. Uh, but those two have an interesting relationship where that's not a big deal because. Barnes lets him basically talk back where he, no one else really gets to because Bowden could, but he won't. So Turner will and does sometimes, and, and Barnes listens to him. But just the way that he has kind of become an absolute floor general for this team and the fact that he's a guy who he knew everything that he was going to be relied on for this season. He knew it. He knew how much was going to be put on him. And then to have one of those shoulders get hurt again after he's already had multiple shoulder procedures – if he's pouted, he has not showed it at all publicly. He has come out there every day, uh, and he's not even able to practice all the time right now. Um, but he's out there doing what he can in games, and I just have this faith that he's going to figure out a way, even though his shoulder's hurting, to shoot the ball better because we've seen him kind of start to creep out of it. But just the way he's running things, Grant, I'm, I'm really impressed with him. Yeah, I, I looked uh, entering that Florida A&M game. I think he had 55 assists for the season, and the next highest on the team was uh, Josiah with 16. Uh, and Lamonte had a 14-assist game and a 12-assist game. So you can just take those two games, and he's still 10 assists higher than the next best guy on the roster. And I think that speaks to kind of uh, this guy doesn't have a ton of help, obviously. Uh, he's got a lot of young guys around him. Uh, I would love to go back and if, if you had time to look at every turnover he's committed this season and how many are on him and how many are on his teammates not being in the right place at the right time or uh, not doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, his field goal percentage, obviously he's missing a lot of shots. Uh, he, al- he also made a good point in Destin that uh, not to kind of excuse himself from that shooting percentage, but a lot of times when there's five seconds left on the shot clock, he gets the ball back. And it's like, go create something, go do something. And, and maybe he takes a shot he doesn't really want to take, but he's got to because the clock's ticking down. But uh, the turnovers are going to be there all season, I think. They, they have to be limited, uh, but they're going to be there. Uh, and the assists, he's going to – I mean, he has to try to force assists because nobody else on this team's really going to do it. 
uh, at least at a, on a consistent basis. Uh, so I, I think that's something you just kind of got to live with. Hope his shoulder holds up. Hope he can play 30 minutes a game. Hopefully, uh, if you're if you're Tennessee, you want Santiago Vescovi to get here and get cleared and and get himself to where he can get some minutes and and kind of help rest and and give some depth in that backcourt. Uh, but until you know, until otherwise. Uh, noted, it's it's going to be Lamonte trying to do a ton of stuff, and there's going to be some ugly numbers that come with it. Uh, but he's going to be that guy that has to produce, and so far he's done that, and 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 this team kind of follows his lead. And, and with Viscovi, I think that the, the rule is that as soon as the fall semester ends, as soon as he gets enrolled in school and through the clearinghouse, or it's not called the clearinghouse anymore, but as soon as as soon as the fall semester ends, he gets enrolled for the next semester and he gets cleared by the NCAA, he can play immediately at that point. We, we saw that with Jarnell Stokes. I think that's the rule. So we, we could be looking at, you know, best-case scenario, mid-December. Uh, more likely would be late December, something like that, maybe even early January. But, but what's the latest you've got on that? He, he's got to take the test, obviously, uh, to, get, to get admitted. Uh, as, if those scores came back as quickly as possible, he could be – eligible you're right the first day that fall uh, the fall break starts or I mean sorry the winter break starts on campus which is December 13th that's not going to happen they're going to be waiting on to get scores back the, I think the more likely date before he can even get here get enrolled get on campus is the last week of December so then you're talking about uh, they play Wisconsin December 28th uh, and then they go into the uh, SEC schedule early January against LSU at home so I think it's more likely early in the SEC schedule would be the absolute best uh, case scenario for them, just for him to get on the floor, get acclimated, learn this offense. Obviously, Rick Barnes is crazy about his point guard, so how quickly could he uh, prove himself worthy to get minutes in those games? I think that would be the, the best case scenario for Tennessee. Yeah, and, and this is a kid who, uh, again, you mentioned the really important point about Rick Barnes with his point guards, and I think also you mentioned that Wisconsin game. The way that Wisconsin is always so physical and gets after you defensively, I'm not quite sure that's the first game I'd want to throw him in there for. Uh, but you know what? Do you Would you say the same thing about going in there in SEC play? I mean, at some point you got to throw the kid out there and see what he can do. I also think it's going to be interesting because I know that, that he's living in Australia now, uh, so obviously his English is pretty solid. But uh, Rick Barnes yelling at an ESL point guard, uh, it could be funny because there were some funny instances where he would be yelling at Eve Pons, and Eve's like, wait, do I know exactly what that word means? Because Pons told me that, that he always understood English, but, but Rick Barnes' English took him some time because of the, the thickness there and that Carolina biscuits and gravy and uh, accent that he's got going on there. But, you know, in all seriousness, that's a kid who, who can help this team, I think. He's physically very developed for his age. Uh, he, he's very impressive on tape. If he can understand what they're doing and he can do what they need him to do and he can just play a couple of rotations here or there, maybe one per half at least at first, something like that, to get some pressure alleviated off of Turner and those guys, that's going to help Tennessee a good bit. Before we get out of here, I think we do need to mention, obviously, that, that Memphis game. Uh, it's not going to be quite the blockbuster we wanted it to be because James Wiseman, the, the number one player, probably the number one pick in the next NBA draft, the, the seven-foot-one kid from the big man for Memphis, he will not be eligible for this game. So uh, that part is disappointing. Uh, but Memphis signed a bunch of other studs. Memphis had that really elite recruiting class. Penny Hardaway accumulating talent has never been the issue. It's never going to be the issue. If they do have issues there, it won't be the talent on the floor. It'll be something else. Um, but that is a team that is going to come in here angry. That's a team that Tennessee went to that team's home floor last season. And, again, unless you kind of live 
you know, in Memphis or, or know this, this series pretty well or have been around this series for a while, it's hard to understand just how much Memphis hates Tennessee because Tennessee doesn't like Memphis. Memphis hates Tennessee because this state is basically, I don't know, what are there, 90-something counties in this state? There is one of them, and I mean one of them, that is not dominated by Tennessee, and that is Shelby County. But there's still a bunch of Tennessee fans in Shelby County. That's why Memphis for years has not wanted Tennessee to play a home-and-home. They wanted to play it in Nashville, other things. They don't want Tennessee in their city. And last year, you saw part of the reason for that. Tennessee went to their city, kind of beat up on them a little bit. You had Admiral Schofield popping the jersey. You know, you had Penny Hardaway making up stupid things that didn't happen after the, the press conference. You had some anger there. You had some, some not some fisticuffs, but you, you had some moments there. there. There was some vitriol there. And, and this goes back years and years in this series, which is why I love it and why it should be played every year. And I'm so, so sad that Rick Barnes almost surely will not extend this series because of Penny Hardaway's comments and actions from the past year. And I think that's a shame because my personal belief is that this game needs to be played every year but regardless we get it this season and we get it next season and there's going to be a lot of talent on the floor and there will be no Wiseman but there will be a lot of a lot of a lot of passion on this floor anyway it's going to be sold out it's going to be hostile it's going to be noisy and you're going to see a team in a city in an arena that doesn't just want to beat Memphis it wants to beat Memphis into the ground and I think that is going to that almost always is the scene for fun basketball. Yeah, I mean, ever since this this stuff all started uh, late in the game last season and the stuff Penny said after the game uh, and the stuff that went over the next few days, kind of the back and forth, Barnes joking about stuff on his radio show, Penny responding, saying, get the F out of here, Rick Barnes, all that stuff. I mean, this game's been sold out since early October for a reason. Uh, I think this would be... Uh, and it, it's, I guess it's worth noting that this is the first uh, capacity crowd at Thompson Bowling Arena that involves beer <laughs> for a basketball game, so that could be fun. Uh, yeah, it's a, and it's a 3 o'clock ESPN game. Uh, I, I would expect this building to be at a different level. It's always at a different level when Kentucky's here. It's always at a different level when Florida's here. Uh, but this feels like uh, a Tennessee fan base that has had a rival coach basically uh, almost bad-mouthing your preacher for the last year because people call this guy Deacon Barnes uh, for a reason. That's the way they look at him. They love that dude. Uh, for him to be kind of uh, – for Penny to go after him the way he did, it's it's going to be a really interesting atmosphere with all that young talent that Memphis has. It's going to be f- interesting to see how they handle that kind of noise uh, and to see how this Tennessee team that's also young and inexperienced and thin, how they feed off that noise and, and kind of how they respond. Uh, it, it's going to be probably the best atmosphere of the season, one of the most fun atmospheres of the season. Uh, and, and you get nine days leading up to it. It's going to be two ranked teams. Uh, it's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, it's going to be a long time between now and then, but it's going to get here, and it's, it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. Yeah, because, Grant, I think that I'm thinking over the past decade or so, there haven't been many Tennessee basketball games home or away that I haven't been to. There have been a few, but but not many. And I think the past at least, what, handful of years, four years, five years, whatever it is, you've been to pretty much all of them. And and I got to tell you, last season's Memphis game on the road, that was the most hostile atmosphere Tennessee played in front of all year. Uh, I was at the game in Rupp. I was at the game in Florida. The noise in that building in FedEx Forum that day uh, was not matched throughout the season that's how badly the city of memphis wanted that game it was the first year with penny back in the house it was just a big kind of circus-like atmosphere Uh, and that was a game that 
a team that, that, that did not have Tennessee's experience and veteran leadership would not have come out of that building alive that day, let alone won it by, I think, double digits or something close to that. So, uh, And I think that's going to be repaid to Memphis this season. I think this is going to be a very, very loud building. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Tennessee's basketball fan base is one of the most underappreciated and underrespected in all of college sports. Uh, this building, when it's rocking, is one of the best places to watch basketball in this country. And I've I've been to Cameron, I've been to the Dean Dome, I've been to, and those are great places. Those are awesome places. Can't wait to to to, to cross uh, the fog off the list this season because I I didn't get a chance to go last time Tennessee was there. So I'm looking forward to cross that one off the list. Been to Poly, been to a lot of places. And, and this place, when it's ready and revved up, is about as fun as you're going to see in college basketball. And it's going to be a fun atmosphere, and I can't wait for it. Uh, it's going to be something. It will not be a dull day. I'll tell you that much. That might be that could be like a 50 to 49 game, and it'll still be fun because you're going to see a lot of extracurriculars. I think you're going to see uh, we're going to we're going to get a really good test on that theory of how much Lamonte Turner is going to be calmed down uh, because you're going to have to probably lock that kid in a padded room for a week before going into that game. So there's going to be a lot of fun things to talk about there. There's going to be a lot of fun things to talk about in the aftermath of that. And I think uh, this is going to be a, a fun season to watch. Grant, before we step out of here, anything uh, anything you want to add? Anything that we've missed? We've missed nothing. Uh, bring me Tennessee, Memphis. Uh, uh, I don't know. I've, I've been thinking about that atmosphere for the last year. It's, it's going to be crazy in here. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, that, that game needs to hurry up and get here. Guys, thanks for tuning in. As always, I think that's a good place to leave it. Uh, as always, you can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker, 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Ryan Callahan's Ryan Callahan, 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown, 24-7 on Twitter. Uh, you can also, uh, if you want to, some Tennessee news there on social media, but you don't want to read, uh, you know, me talking about the Cubs and you know, all the dumb things I talk about and, and Grant making, you just don't love all Grant's photoshops, which who couldn't love those? But if you're one of those people, uh, you just want just the facts. You can go to twitter.com slash govoss247 or you can go to facebook.com slash govoss247 where Grant does a really good job running our Facebook page with an assist from Pat. Uh, or if you want to drink your water directly from the hose, you want to get that delicious East Tennessee mountain spring water unfiltered, you can go to govoss247.com. You can get it there. We always have, always have a lot of good deals. Always, you know, the holiday season, we got all kinds of them. Uh, I don't know if we're going to top that 75% off of a year, but we do have the 50% off right now. Uh, so that's still a good deal. You need to get on that while you can. Uh, and that also gives you access to CBS All Access for free. If you are a paying member of our site, you give us money, you get free free a $99.99 annual value you get access to CBS All Access which is all the CBS shows uh, throughout the years the entire catalog some movies you get live NFL football live SEC football live hoops uh, NCAA tournament you're gonna get Champions League stuff here in about a year or so so all kinds of reasons to go check that out and if you don't do it I'm being honest it says more about you than us and I don't want it to sound that way I don't want to come off as one of those people but uh, if you're not a member of the site why are you not why wouldn't you do that? Go do that. If nothing else, guys, we will see y'all on Monday morning to talk about Tennessee football and a bowl game. What? Bowl game. See y'all.